It is, it is. Amen. But hey, that communion thing actually worked out pretty good. Yeah. I kind of like that. Amen. And a good word my, my wife gave. She's amazing, isn't she? Amen. Raise that expectation because I think we just get flat sometimes, you know. Um, my question is, is how's that going to carry over into our marriage? Is the expectations going up there? So, all right. Well, hey, I'm, has anybody seen my, the first page of my notes? Amen. I think, Wendy, I'm going to need to steal those from you because I can't find page number one, and that's the one they need the most. Amen? I don't, I'm not sure. Well, wait, wait, is that it? Oh, no, I found it. It was stuffed in my Titus thing. Actually, she can have that. I found it. All right. The problem had a purpose. That's the name of the title. And we just had a problem and there's a purpose. Amen. Well, hey, I don't know if you saw my Facebook post uh, this week about my granddaughter, what she did to me. Um, she sanitized my mouth without me knowing it. Uh, we have a, she, she wanted to come with me. I went home uh, for lunch, and, and she's like, Papa, can I come by the church with you? Because she loves church, and she loves to be here. And so I was like, yeah, I got Play-Doh, and we got a videos over there. And um, oh, VHS, she knows how to do the VHS thing. And so anyways, we have a little water cooler over there. So she brought me a Dixie cup with water, and, and she's like, here, Papa. I was like, thanks. And, and I took a swig, and I was like, whoa, what is in this? And I thought it was soap. I thought there was like dish soap in it. And I said, sweetheart, what's, what's in my water? And so she ran in and she brings the hand sanitizer and she pumped into the water. So my mouth is COVID free. She just discovered the cure. Okay. Um, and, uh, and she said, I'm sorry, pop. She said, I just wanted it to smell good. <laughs> so I was like, how do you get mad at that? You know? Um, and I, for two hours I tasted hand sanitizer, brushed my teeth, ate a mint. Um, it was bad. And uh, I remember as a kid, if I said something naughty, it used to be legal to get soap put in your mouth. Now it's probably child abuse, but it worked for me. And I remember my mom sticking bars of soap in my mouth and made me bite down. Anybody else have that happen? Amen. Some of you should have, because I know you still have potty mouth. But um, today I want to talk to you about the problem had a purpose. And we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, 1 through 14. We're going to start out with a verse that if you've been a Christian very long, uh, you may have, have heard it. You may have seen it. If you've used the men's restroom, ladies, I hope that's not you. Uh, men, if you've seen it, it says, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Man, we love this verse because it's like speaking in faith. You know, God's got plans and everything's going to be great. But what I have found is, is oftentimes the purpose comes through a problem. The, the, there's problems in life and there's things that you go through that you may not want to go through. Uh, but what you don't know, because I'm going to guess that most of you didn't know this. Um, I'm a Bible college graduate. I study the word of God every day of my life. What I did not know, but I've read this whole thing in Jeremiah, was the context around the verse. Because it's easy to pull the verse out and say, that sounds great. Like, wives, submit to your husbands. You're dismissed. You can go home. Do it. Uh, right? What's the context? Well, then husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. But there's a whole lot more to men. than It's, just, it's women, submit your husbands. Husbands, there's this whole list of things that you're supposed to do uh, on, on the wife's side. And my pastor, when we, before we got married, he said, that verse, Stan, is not written to you. It's written to the wife, so don't be quoting it to her. Right? Because it says, wives, submit. It doesn't say, husbands, make your wife submit. It says, wives. So you can't be reading letters that aren't written to you. So stop that. Well, this letter was written to the Hebrews, but um, I believe it was written to us as well. So it's an often quoted verse, um, and I'm going to try the best I can to stick to my notes because I have six pages of notes, and I want to let you out of here um, before the restaurants get completely full. 
which hasn't happened for six months. Um, but here's a little bit of a history, okay? God is speaking to the Hebrews that were taken into slavery. Okay, this letter that we're about to read were written to the Hebrews who were taken by King Nebuchadnezzar out of Jerusalem. He sacked Jerusalem. He stole all the good-looking people, all the smart people, all the people that could do something for his kingdom, and he took them. So this letter is actually written to slaves. And uh, you know, we've been going through, the, uh, through Daniel and Belshazzar where he got killed, and he was... You know, they were able to be set free because Cyrus came in and was like, no, you can go back to your city, build your temple. There was a lot of great things happening. Well, we got to back up 70 years to find out where the promise came from. So here's some things that I wrote down. What you see as a problem can actually be propellant. What you see as a problem can actually be propellant. What you're facing right now can actually propel you forward. Propellant is something that pushes you forward. For me, life is all about where you are today and where God wants you to be tomorrow. And we have this idea that if we don't like what's going on in our lives, it must not be from God. Well, if it's not good, it can't be from God, right? Not necessarily. Because we have this idea that if I'm really serving God, everything's going to be perfect, and that's not the case. We'll find out today that the Hebrews were in a situation they would have rather not been in. It would not be fun for have another king from another kingdom come and steal you out of what you know and take you away against your will and make you a slave in his own kingdom. We're like, okay, how, where's God in that? How could that be a God thing? Well, we're going to find out that it actually is a God thing. I found out that we're really good at telling God how he should do things, aren't we? We're good at telling God how he needs to run his kingdom. We're really good at telling God how he needs to play chess. God, you should move me here, and then you should move me here. And God, I don't want to be a pawn, I want to be a king, or I want to be a queen. I don't want to be a rook. I want to be the king. We're going to get to that point in a little bit. We have to be okay with what God has called us to be. But God uses stuff all the time that we don't like to get us to grow up. When's the last time your child has thanked you for spanking them? <laughs> Long time for me, my kids are grown adults, but because we spanked them, they're all doing pretty good right now. All right? Still, Chris last night, I said, I'm so, I, we are so blessed. Lauren and Kayla went home for the evening, and, and I said, man, we're so blessed. All our kids are serving God. I mean, it's, you know, that's, it, to, to me, that is the most important thing, is that they serve Jesus. And some of you that raise your kids too, and they're not right now, you just keep praying. Because the Bible says they'll come home. Okay? And that's not up to you. It's not up to you. Don't look at, well, I should have done things. Don't play that dumb game. Don't play the I, I should have game. All right? You did the best that you knew how to do. Right? right? All of us have those things. There's, I could be a better pastor, but I don't go home every Sunday and go, wow, I, I could have did that better. Actually, I do that often because I'm a perfectionist. But, but there's some, certain things that you just have no control over now. So you believe that they're going to come back, all right? That those that maybe knew Jesus and they're away just believe that they're going to be the prodigal because even God has prodigals. Don't be too hard. Is God the perfect father, yes or no? Yes. Does he have prodigals? Are you as good as God? Then get over yourself. Some of you need to hear that, all right? You did the best you knew how to do. God did the perfect thing, and he still has prodigals out running away. So hopefully that sets you free. We don't usually grow in the comfortable things, but in the uncomfortable things. What if your sleep was your workout? What if you went to bed and you woke up in the morning a little bit ripped more than, than you went to bed? Wouldn't that be cool that you could just sleep your way to fitness? That's not how it works, though, right? Fitness comes through the hard stuff. Okay, write this down. The hard stuff makes us tough. It's a rhyme. The hard stuff makes us tough. You ever learn to play guitar? Okay, okay, you start playing acoustic guitar, especially what happens to your fingers? They're not used to those strings, and it hurts, and, and you begin to get calluses, but 
Calluses can only come through pain. And only with calluses can you play acoustic guitar. Um, I said first service, I'll say it again. But Pastor John left already. Sissy's playing electric. <laughs> but it's not funny because he's not here. But he has calluses. Why? Because he plays both. Why do I say that? Not to offend you electric guitar players, but here's the deal. A lot of us want to play electric when God has asked us to play acoustic. When God has asked us to play something that's a little tougher to play, a little harder on the fingers. But we have this mentality that everything needs to be easy. Everything just needs to be simple. But that's not life, guys. God has us in certain situations to get us tough, to make us callous. And I will tell you, we are... There's so much stuff that I want to say from this pulpit, through this microphone that I can't. We have raised a generation of the most easily offended people that I have ever seen in my almost 50 years of living on this earth. All right? We get offended over the littlest things. And I'm like, guys, all right, there are certain things that didn't, weren't offensive when I was a kid that all of a sudden, and now everybody's afraid of offending everybody, all right? Unless you're a Christian, then we can say what we want about you. Right. Don't, don't you get sick of all the offense? It's just like, guys, come on, let's grow up, right? Don't be a jerk, but we get offended over the littlest of things. It's like we're so sensitive, and I think we've raised a generation of, of participant ribbons that, yeah, you didn't do your best, but you still get rewarded. And I don't believe in that. I think you should not reward average. You shouldn't reward mediocrity. We should reward excellence. I think that's a biblical principle. Okay? And so in our generation, we need to understand the hard stuff makes us tough. We can't do everything for our kids. They will not learn. They will not grow. They will become entitled. Okay? We need to allow them to go through some hard things. So my goal for today is to help us look at hard things in life through a different lens than we tend to look through them and to see this, that God is at work even in the things we don't understand. What is it right now that you're facing that you just don't get? You don't understand. Okay, I don't understand the COVID thing, all right? Six months ago, it was, that's killing millions. Well, now it's not. And then it's, okay, flatten the curve. Well, now it's stop the spread. I'm like, wait a second, you, you said flatten the curve. Well, there was no curve. So now we got to stop the spread. You're not going to stop the spread. It's a virus. It's going to spread, right? Do you be careful? Do you, yeah. But we get different news every day, don't we? And I say, pretty soon COVID will cause pregnancy. It's like, oh no, you're pregnant. Oh, you must have COVID, all right? It just changes all the time. And in a world, we keep getting fed all this different information. And as a Christian, there's a point you're going, okay, what's up with this whole thing? I know it's a real thing, right? And I know that it has killed some people, but I also know some people that it should have killed that it didn't. Like people on oxygen with bad lungs in a rest home and they made it through. And I'm like, that, you were supposed to die. Okay, and, and so we've given all this information and we're like, okay, what do we do with it all the time? I am so thankful that God's word does not change every day as to how you should live, right? It's stayed the same. It's not moving. It's not changing. So how is a Christian supposed to live in a generation that you get fed all these different things? I saw uh, my Alexa gives me news I don't want. And this morning, this, here, was, here was the study. Study. Children may be silent spreaders of COVID-19. I'm like, yeah, you told me that like six months ago. Why are you bringing it back up? We know that. Silent, may, maybe, they, they may be spreaders of silence. Let me tell you, they are. There's no maybe, right? And so you're getting all this information and what do you do with it? And as a Christian, you can either feed the fear or you can feed your faith. See, today is all about faith. It's all about not ignoring it, not saying, hey, it's not real because it's not a conspiracy. It's a real thing. But is it something that we should be hiding under rocks about and not going out and talking to people? Should we be careful? Absolutely. We wore gloves and a mask today. Now, I don't want to give it to you. I don't have it, right? I can't give you something I don't have, but 
Uh, we, we do what we need to do because the government says to do some things. But there's also a point where you say, okay, is this thing just freaking me out? Am I growing closer to Christ through this, or am I like, what do we do with this fear? What do we do with the problem? And again, what I'm saying is, I'm going to have people that hate what I say and people that love what I say. I got to try to find the balance for me personally. But I believe that God is at work even in things we don't understand. And here's my, my personal opinion you will sleep better at night when you come to the understanding that God really is in control in a world that you think is out of control. God is in control of this thing, okay? So in this lesson, These Hebrews have been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar as a part of God's plan. And God tells the prophet Jeremiah to write them a letter that they need to be good with it. They need to make the best of it because he has a plan for it. God has made them a promise. And if they do their part, he's going to make good on the promise. And that is in 70 years, he's going to bring them back to Jerusalem to rebuild stuff. God has a purpose in the problem. So here's the twist in this lesson. As I was studying this, again, I looked at the, I know the plans I have for you to close it, and I thought, okay, I want to get the context, you know, what, what's going on around it, and it has to do with slavery. And I'm like, what? He's like, God, you want me to preach on this? He's like, yes, in my word, preach on it. It's like, okay, because this is kind of weird, Lord, you're, you're, there, there's, there's slavery going on in here, and you have a purpose in it? And God says, yeah. And we need to understand beyond what we can think because as Americans, right, in a free country, we have a hard time grasping a culture and society in which groups of people captured other people and took them as slaves. Okay, we know that it's wrong, right? I mean, we like, that's, that's bad, that's not to do, and then, but we're going to see that God actually used it for his glory. But it was a common practice back then. Uh, people warred against each other all the time and they took the best and they took the slaves. They killed the rest. I mean, it was just a crazy time in the Old Testament, but it was a common practice. So in this case, the Hebrews were taken by the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar captured Jerusalem. And again, he took the best people. He took the brightest. He took the smartest. He took Daniel. He took Ezekiel. He took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He took the queen mother. He took the king. He took the advisors. He walked in and his people walked in and he goes, I just want the best looking and the tallest people and the smartest people and those with skills. Leave the rest. Does that sound like equality to you? Does that sound fair to you? Does that sound like human nature to you? Yeah. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. So he goes in and he takes all the best people. He's picking, yeah, I want you and you and you and you're smart and, you're, and you know how to build this and you're an artist and you're a craftsman and you have, because I need somebody to build my kingdom and I'm going to take you to build it. And, and so he takes them all and he brings them to Babylon. And it was part of God's plan and that's what's so strange. So I would tell you in this point of the message, don't fight the things that God is doing in your life. He's doing things that you don't even know about. He's doing things, and you're like, God, what is going on? And God's like, I know exactly what's going on. You just keep serving me. You just keep doing right. You just hang in there. You keep going and keep going. So even when I don't get it, I can trust it. Even when I don't understand whatever it is, and you all have an it right now. There's something in your life that you say, if there's one thing I can remove from my life right now, this would be it. Even when you don't get it, I can trust it. Your job is to serve God every day and not try to figure everything out. Matter of fact, God doesn't reveal the whole plan to you because you would run the other direction. That's what Jonah did, right? What did God tell Jonah? Jonah, go preach against the city of Nineveh and they're going to repent. And Jonah's like, uh-uh. What if God would have said, Jonah, hey, I need you to go to Nineveh, man. I got a surprise for you. Jonah's like, surprise? Maybe I'll show up, right? But God told him the whole plan. Jonah's like, no, I'm going. And, and in our lives, if God showed us everything, you would run the other direction. Matter of fact, you wouldn't sleep at night. You would be like, I got to go through what, Lord? 
Oh no, this is where I'm going to get you, but this is what you've got to go through to get there. I don't, want, I don't want that. I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to go through the problems. I don't want to go through what I'm going to go through to get to the end. Ladies, if you would have experienced, again, the labor pains, I've told you this before, before the baby, you would be like, don't touch me. When you're having a kid, right? God says, I'm going to give you, you know, nine months of feeling and, and you'd be like, I don't want a child. But there's a reason that God kind of hides that from your wife so that we produce and multiply. Me personally, this is, this is, I wrote this down. For me personally, this is where I'm at. I don't fear world events because I know my life is in God's hands. But I still wash my hands. I've always washed my hands. Ask Pastor John, I haven't changed much of my behavior because I don't like the flu. I don't like throwing up. So I've been washing my hands and buffets have creeped me out from a long time ago. I'm like, everybody's touching the same thing. And I'm like, that just is kind of weird, right? Now, I'm not a germaphobe. I'm a smartaphobe. <laughs> now, think about that. Matt probably caught that. A smartaphobe means you're afraid of smart people. Okay? That should be a dumbaphobe. Because that just came out, right? A smartaphobe means, oh, he don't like smart stuff. All right? I still wash my hands, but God knows, me personally, guys, and I believe the same thing, but this is how I choose to live. God knows how this ends for me. He knows what my last day is. He knows how my life is going to end, and that's why I don't live in fear of catching COVID. I don't live in fear of getting in a car wreck. I don't live in fear of getting bit by a rattlesnake when I'm out in the woods. I'm careful, and I watch where I walk, but I don't not go hiking because of what might happen, because we fear, most of the things we fear might happen never do. Okay, if they started posting every night how many people were killed in car accidents, people would quit driving. Like, if they told you how many drunk drivers are on the road, you'd be like, "Whoa, I'm just, I'm going to stay away till they can make drunk driving illegal." Because when they make it illegal, then people won't do it, <laughs> right? We would freak out if they started posting, you know, in all these deaths of different things. Again, I'm not downplaying, but what I'm saying is, personally, I know how God ends this for me, so I am not afraid of catching it. I'm just, I'm personally not. That's me, okay? Now, I wouldn't want you to get it. I wouldn't want to give it to you. But I don't live in fear that I'm going to die of COVID-19 and God's going, man, Jesus, he died of COVID. I didn't see that coming. I had so much planned for him. Doggone virus. No, God knows how it ends for me. So that's how I personally live. I'm not telling you have to live the way I live. But for me, I, I, I wash my hands. I go to the gas station. I get gas. I sanitize my hands. That's all good. I do that. But I'm not afraid of it. I don't live in fear because God knows how it ends for me. And I'm not going to let fear hold me captive. I'm also, also not going to drink out of your truck. Or you're out of your truck. I, I had something else written down. I'm not going to drink out of your cup. Okay? I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to kiss you if you're not my wife. All right? So, yeah, you're welcome. All right? I'm going to go anti-scripture. It says, greet each other with a holy kiss. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'll just blow you one. So here's what I, my, my, I wrote down here. This is again, my, I'm just reading you some personal notes, probably stuff I shouldn't be preaching. But what they're saying and what I'm seeing is different. That's, that's what I'm, and I'm at the point now where you're like, okay, hey, we're six months into this and what they're saying and what I'm seeing, different things, okay? And so at what point do you go, are we getting told the whole truth? And I will tell you this, guys, if you watch any news channel, somebody's lying to you. Probably everyone about something. That's why I stick with the word of God. Here's what I find. Here's my question for you. When you spend time watching the news, do you feel better about life or worse about life? Okay, when you spend a lot of time on social media, do you feel better or worse? Then why y'all doing it? Right? Why would we do something that makes us feel worse about life? Now, I believe we should be informed. I peruse the news a little bit, you know, um, after I do my devotions and whatnot. 
Um, and, and I need to know what's going on, right? But it's not something that holds me captive or holds me fearful because what I found is the more I read, it, the, 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 I'm like, man, this world is really crazy. And I don't want to have that view. I want to have reality, but I also want to know the reality of God's word, of God saying, hey, I have this whole thing in plan, and it's going to happen the way I have it planned. But what is going on in this world right now, because this is what it comes down for me, is that God has a purpose in his big plan for everything that's going on. The end times, the Bible says, there will be an increase of diseases. Okay, well, as a Christian, am I shocked that COVID came on the scene? Should I be like, wow, a disease? Okay, wait, Matthew 24, go back and read it. What do you say? Diseases, a pestilence is a disease. Okay, there's going to be an increase in diseases. There's going to be an increase in earthquakes. So if there's earthquakes that are happening more frequently, do I freak out? Or do I go, whoa, what Jesus said is actually coming to pass? Okay. Now, when I preached a couple months back on the earthquake, that was a Sunday. I talked about the increase in earthquakes. Well, Tuesday we had the big one, right? And I got a little bit of credibility. But when I talked about it on a Wednesday night, like a month after that, and then we had one that evening. <laughs> Pastor Jean was like, bro, you're a prophet, because he felt that he was here at the church, like it, was, it happened. And uh, so, you know, and then I, I mentioned a couple months back about f- seeing wildfires in the future. It wasn't a dream, it was, it was just like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised with all this rain we're getting that we're having wildfires. Well, have you seen outside? Yeah. It's smoky. Now you all want me to pray financial blessing on every single one of you, right? Money from heaven, Lord. Uh, I am not a prophet, and I didn't say God spoke to me. What I'm saying is the word of God is coming to pass. In the end, okay, we're going to see natural disasters. The question I have is why are we so surprised that what God, what God says will happen is actually happening? We don't have to freak out. We have to look at it and go, oh, Matthew 24 talks about all these increases of things going on in the world. Craziness, lawlessness. The stuff that you see, the craziness, you're going, okay, this is the word of God coming to pass before our very eyes. What an exciting time to be a Christian. And if you're not a Christian today, you need to get right with Jesus. You need to. I mean, that's, to go to heaven when this thing goes down or when you die, you have to accept Jesus to be your, as your personal Savior. There is no good enough to get in without the blood of Christ. And that's good news for all of us who have made messes of lives. Okay? There is, there's no other way to Christ. So you can trust his promises. Okay? If you would, turn to, to Jeremiah 29. We're going to go through 14 verses. As you turn there, I want to share a couple more things. You can trust God's promises. And God is using Jeremiah here to encourage the captives to make the best of their situation. That God's hand is in it, even if they don't understand it. Now, if they would have paid attention to the word of God, they would have seen that it would have been a 70-year deal because verse 10 says 70 years. Now, there were some prophets, if you read chapter 27 and 28, there were some false prophets telling the Israelites, okay, yeah, you guys are in captive, but in two years, you're going to be back home. You're going to be back in Jerusalem. And God says, those are not from me. Okay, that's false prophets because it's a 70-year deal. And you're saying, two years, you're wrong. Matter of fact, Hananiah was one of them. Jeremiah confronted Hananiah. He said, Hananiah, you're lying to the people. You're, you're trusting. Uh, the, if you read it, let me just read it. I didn't read it first, so I'm going to read it. Verse 15 of chapter 28. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah, who was false prophesying, the prophet, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. You have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. And thus we have one of the first politicians in the Bible. Okay? Hananiah, you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Be careful what you believe in this world. 
Therefore, this is what the Lord says, I'm about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year, you're going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. And in the seventh month of that same year, Hananiah, the prophet, died. Be careful what you prophesy. Okay, Be careful what you say, because God will take care of it. So here's a letter, verse, or chapter 29, verse 1. I'm, I'm pretty much halfway through, so um, you, you having fun so far? Because I think church should be fun. I think we should get our toes stepped on, but I think we should leave smiling. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem, get this, from Jerusalem, the free city, to the surviving elders, to those who were held captive and taken to Babylon. Okay, there's surviving elders who were taken to Babylon among the exiles. So when it says the word exile, it means people who were stolen from Jerusalem, taken to Babylon. Here's a letter to the elders that are surviving among the exiles, to the priests, he took the priests, to the prophets, he took the prophets, and to all the other people, get this, Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Who carried them? Whose fault was it? Nebi's, right? Nebi was the one that did it. He, he took them, and, and here's the letter to Nebuchadnezzar. I like calling him Nebi. And uh, it says, this was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the artisans or the artists had gone into exile from Jerusalem. So who did he take? He took all the, the good people that knew how to do stuff. He entrusted this letter to Elasa, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, had sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And it says, so here's, here's a Gemma, writes a letter. He gives it to a, a courier. He says, hey, take this to, to the people in Babylon. So Babylon allowed the courier to come in and bring a letter to all the people who were held in captivity. Kind of a crazy thing. So on the surface, it looks like Nebuchadnezzar is the one that hauled them off. And this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into Jerusalem. Well, hold on a second. I thought Nebuchadnezzar did it. Now God's saying who did it? He did. Is this interesting? Wait, can God use Nebuchadnezzar to get people to go from one place of comfort to a place of immorality? A place of craziness, because Babylon was crazy. It was like an immoral, it was a crazy place, free for all, do whatever you want. God, God used a man to accomplish his will. So God first accredits his Nebuchadnezzar taking them, and now God is saying, I did? So we're looking at God saying, wait, well, God, you, you allowed slavery to happen here? Because in the American mind, this doesn't make sense. But in all of God's plan, you'll find that it does make sense. And we're going to see that God has a purpose for a problem. He has a purpose for something that we're like, we think is like, well, how, how, can this, how can this be of God? How can this thing be of God? And God says, I have this all in control. This was kind of freaking me out, like when I was studying this, going, God, are you sure you want me to preach this? Because it's not very popular right now. And God says, it's in my word, isn't it? He didn't speak out loud because I would have fallen on my face and probably not be here. But, but it's in my words when you're preaching. This is what God put on my heart to preach. All right. He says, I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, that's crazy. Okay. And then in verse 5, matter of fact, I missed something here. Future generations would be blessed because of what this generation had to go through. I forgot that first service. Future generations would be blessed because of what this generation had to go through. Now, I don't know where y'all came from. I came from Scotland or Ireland. I'm Scotch-Irish, and I don't know when we came over. But let me tell you something. Life probably is better for me now in America than it would be in Scotland or Ireland. 
I, I don't know. But generations ago, okay, there was a, God moved our family here somehow. It was of God. I have to believe that. And, and, and am I better off now or am I better off at where I would have been had we not come to America? I'm saying I'm probably better off in America. So we, we can't say, well, you know, God moving one nationality of people is a bad thing because it all might be part of God's plan. But future generations will be blessed because of what this generation had to go through. And I believe this for your children, your grandchildren. You may not have grown up in a, God, in a God-fearing home, but your kids and your grandkids are going to be blessed because of the decision you made to go from, from Babylon to Jerusalem, from the ways of the world to the ways of God. So we have to look at how this whole thing plays out. And what it all boils down to this, and I'll tell you this in just a moment. I gotta read verse five first because this is what God says to do. God says, okay, you're in captivity. I allowed it, I caused it. Matter of fact, I have a reason for it. Okay, there, there is a purpose for this problem. This thing you view as a problem, there's a purpose for it. Here's what God says to do. I want you to complain while you're there. I want you to be lazy. I want you to whine and burn the city. Do what you can just to create a bunch of destruction because you're in slavery now in another town. That is, that is the opposite of what God tells him. And here's what God says. This is amazing. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, build houses and settle down. <laughs> you ever told your kids, settle down? You ever told your kids that? Some of y'all need to. Um, all right. It, it, we, we, it'd be like, chill out, okay? Chill out. What, what he's saying here, build houses and settle down. Make something of it. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. And all the young men are like, yeah, we got to increase. Hey, babe, we're the Lord. Okay, we're the Lord. We've got to have families, all right? What is God telling him? He's saying, what you view as a problem, I actually have a purpose in it. And you can complain about it. You can whine about it. But I want you to be productive in your problem. So what is your problem today? <laughs> What's your problem? That's great. I can say it, not be offensive. What's your problem? What's your problem? What is it today you're facing that you would rather not be facing? You might be in, in slavery to something, addiction, whatever. And, and, and you have a choice as to how you're going to walk through that. You can look at your situation in life and you say, well, woe was me. Nothing's good going to come out of this and have this stinky attitude. Or you can say, you know what, God, I don't like this because God already knows by your attitude you don't like it. But if you can say, God, I don't really like this. Even if I caused it, even if I got myself into a predicament, God, I'm going to serve you through this. And I'm going to ask you, God, even though I may be here and I don't like it here, would you do something with this? Would you help me have a good attitude? Would you help me to see the big picture as to what my problem is could actually have a purpose? That it could have something good in it? Wouldn't you think God would rather you have that attitude than a stinky attitude? Kicking rocks and just throwing a fit. And God is he's saying, yeah, you are in captivity, but here's what you need to do. Build something. Be productive. Do something with your life. Why? Because in 70 years, I'm going to bring you home. And I want to know that you did the best you knew how to do. The gifts and the calls of God are without repentance. Meaning, once God gives you a gift, you can't, if you, you cannot use it, but you will be miserable. He won't ever take it away from you. Who, who are these people? They're the leaders. They're the artisans, the craftsmen, people that God had given gifts and abilities. And you're like, God, you want me to, you want me to use this in Babylon? God said, yeah. Use it in Babylon. It doesn't matter where you're at. It's what you do where you are. Amen. So you might be in a stinky place right now. You might be in a place that you don't want to be in. God can use it for his glory. God can use it to do something 
good. So here's what it boils down to. You will either choose to be the victim or the victor. You will choose to be the victim or the victor and you can't be both. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. And we have a lot of victim mentalities in our world today. And we need to get over that. We can look at it as, well, this is what happened to me. Well, what are you going to do with it? Okay, what are you going to do with it? You might be in a place you don't like, but that doesn't mean it's not God. You might be in a place you don't like, that doesn't mean it's not God. So what, is that, what am I saying? I'm saying here is that placement is God's problem, not yours. Who, who placed them in captivity? God did. You have to admit that. God, God did it. Why? Because he said he did. So placement is kind of God's problem or responsibility. I just think placement is God's problem sounds better than placement is God's responsibility. Y'all agree? Because I kind of like the rhymey thing. Placement is God's problem. Where I'm at in life, if I'm serving him, it's really his problem. Let me tell you something. Some of you weren't even serving God and God's hand was on your life completely. Talk to Scott here. Brother Scott preached a great message, okay? And, and, and Scott will tell you, even when he was running from God, God still had his hand on him. Because he should have died several times. You got it. His stories are way better than mine. That's like, I got shocked with like 110, but he got like a whole electrical panel. And it's a, it's a great story. He was actually smoking. Um, and, and, and so his stories are more fun than mine. And yet God's hand, even when Scott was running from God, God still had a hand. Why? Because Scott is called of God. And that call is without repentance. God gives it and he never takes it away. And I'm glad that Scott has risen to that occasion to preach the gospel um, in a way that, you know, that is, is, that's awesome. So what you see as a problem, God sees as a purpose. Okay? What you see as a problem, God sees as a purpose. God is in charge of the puzzle. Quit complaining about where he's putting the pieces because that's where he needs them. See, he knows what he's doing and he knows what needs to happen in your life and in this world to bring about his plan. Like I said, it's a chess game. God is moving all kinds of things and you're only seeing one move at a time and God's like, well, I got to move a bunch of stuff here before I can get you to here. And you're like, well, God, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a rook. Is that the lowest one? I don't know anything about chess. Pawn, the pawn. Okay, the pawn. Is a rook higher than a pawn? Okay, so you have a rookie, then you have a below rookie. So the pawn is what? The pawn's the water boy. Expendable. Expendable. Okay, that's, I like that. Expendable. Um, that'd be a good sermon for a title, huh? the Expendables. And, uh, and because I don't really know the, the game of chess well, all I know is kind of the strategy. Is it a good is it chess master? Is that who plays chess? Uh, who plays chess in here? Lift your hand up. Okay, good. It's more spread out. I had something weird happen first service when I asked that question. Everybody in the back of the church building raised their hands. So it was kind of weird. It was like all the Christians were in front and the chess people were clear in the back. Um, we had a great altar call, but it was kind of weird to see the imbalance of where the chess people played. But I had this idea that they were sitting in the back strategizing about where they would move people if this was a whole game of chess, like musical chairs. That's probably what they were doing. Uh, but God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing with you. And he knows what needs to happen in your life to get you to be uh, where he needs you to be for his plan to come about. So... I wrote down here, okay, there's, in the chess game, there's kings and queens, pawns, rooks. Is there any more? Knights. Oh, I like that. I missed the knight. How did I miss the knight? I won't be a knight because knights have weapons, right? Um, okay, let me ask you this. Are they all equal? Okay, then, then what's all the talk in our world about equality? Oh, I touched that, didn't I? Are all men created equal? No, I realized that the first time I went to a professional basketball game. I was, court, I was courtside, and I'm like going, I know I've been fed this line of crud for a long time about all men created equal, but I, that is, that's not equal to me. 
six foot seven and strong and dunking when I can't hardly touch the net. That is not equal. And I had this epiphany that God did not create us all equal. Are we to be treated equal? Absolutely. Okay. But physically, we are not created equal. So I'm like, we kind of need to get over the equal thing. Ladies, you're not equal to men. You get to carry children. Hallelujah, it's you and not me. Um, okay, the men have the fun part and the ladies have the rest of it. And, and that, that's not fair, is it? But that's the way it is. And if you live the life as, well, it's just not equal, it's not fair, you will never ever become what God has called you to become. You see, anybody, any height can become a preacher if God calls them to be that regardless of your stature. As long as you've got a voice, okay? But professional sports, my dreams were shattered that night. Because we grew up saying, well, you can be whatever you want to be, right? Do whatever you want to do. Don't lie to your kids like that. It's not true. <laughs> right? It's not true. You can't be every, anything you want to be. You can, okay, well, I didn't know math. Well, I would be a bad doctor. You wouldn't want me to be your doctor. You wouldn't want my older brother to be your doctor, not me. Okay? I might be your mechanic. I can fix stuff. But, but not all of us are created equal. We need to be okay with that. It's like we all have gifts and abilities, and they're different. We need to celebrate the differences that we have. And not make, try to make everything so vanilla and bland. Everybody's got to have the same gifts. That's just not reality. It's not reality. And we've kind of bought into that, right? Again, all men should be created equal. And all, all men and women are equal in the sight of God. But physically and smarts-wise, that's just not the case. But we, we're trying to force this thing. And it's just, to me, I'm like, I'm different. And it's okay. Celebrate the differences. I can't dunk a basketball this side of heaven. But if you're six foot seven and I get to heaven, I'm going to dunk on you. I am. Like when you ain't looking, I'm just going to slam that sucker right down on top of your head. See, that's what it felt like on earth. Right? That probably ain't going to happen, but it, I could dream. Don't shatter my dreams. All right? It's not all equal. Be okay with it. We're not all blessed to have great families that we came from, our heritage. It's okay. Make the best with what God has, has, has given you, okay? So verse 7 is a huge verse here. This is what you're supposed to do. Build houses, make plants, plant gardens, eat what they produce, have, have families, grow and increase because I'm going to bring you home. Also, verse 7, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. What? Say what, God? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You want me to pray for Babylon? And God's like, yeah, Babylon needs it, okay? Jerusalem is a holy city. Babylon's a crazy city. While you're in, in slavery here, while you're in exile, I want you to pray for the peace of your city. I want you to pray for the prosperity of your city because he goes on to say, because if your city prospers, you will prosper. Okay, well, hold on. We are in a, days, a generation who says we need to burn the city. When God is saying you need to pray for the city, you need to, to, to pray for the prosperity of the city, you need to do what you can to make your city better, not tear it down, not bash it. What would happen, church, if, if all the, the, the I'm going to say the crazy, rioting is wrong, okay? Protesting is okay if it's not riotous. Protesting is fine. Matter of fact, you should protest. You have the right to do that. It's a, it's a right, but you shouldn't destroy property in the process. Right? You shouldn't disrespect authority. You shouldn't disrespect police officers in, in a protest. That, that is not protesting. That's breaking the law. It's breaking God's law. Okay? Now, we can't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. But here's the deal. If all the focus, all the energy it would, would, would be turned into mentoring young men and women of our cities, instead of burning the cities down, if we would say, you know what, instead of rioting, let's, let's take some time to find that, that young man, that young woman that maybe doesn't have a parent, 
and spend that energy saying, you know what, here's how we need to live. Yeah, there's some injustice, we understand, but you know what, we're going to rise above that. We're going to do better than that. We're going to get education, man. We're going to, let's, let's do something that's worth honoring and not destroying. Where would this country go? It would be so much better, right? I mean, I'm just saying stuff most people are thinking. That, that it would be a positive thing instead of bringing it down to pray for the prosperity of the city. So let's take the time to raise young men and women how to honor, how to love, how to respect. Instead of just saying, well, you're a victim, so let's just tear everything down. That's not the way that God wants a city to go. Now, again, this is written to believers, and we can't expect unbelievers to act like believers. But be a blessing to your city. Don't burn it. Okay? Don't listen to false prophets. Be respectful of authority. That's our job is to, even if you don't always agree with it, we need to respect it. But I believe we would see better results if we lived that way. Some of you might be in a workplace right now where you have a hard time respecting the person over you. And you're just like, hey, uh, you know, what does God say to do here? We can take this thing to say, you know what, you may not like the ruler because Nebuchadnezzar was not a nice man. Nebuchadnezzar didn't go around to all the slaves and say, hey, how was your day? Did you get fed? Is everything cool? Did anybody beat you? Nebuchadnezzar wasn't like that. But what's God saying them to do in their situation? To do what? To seek the peace and prosperity of the city. So as a Christian, we're supposed to act a little bit different. In verses 8 and 9, let's just wrap this up. He says this. Okay, Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners, which is like spiritual people, among you deceive you. Don't let them deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Because they're looking like, okay, have a dream. Tell us what we need to do. He says, they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And here's how we know that God didn't send them. Again, they were saying, hey, we're out of here in two years. Okay, we're going to be back. This is what the Lord says, verse 10. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. So don't listen to false prophets. Okay? Don't listen. It was a 70-year deal, not a two-year deal. I believe America has a shelf life, an expiration date. Why do I say that? Because in the end times, America is not mentioned. There's no references to America. You know, some people try to find this one little, oh, there's an eagle. It, it, we don't know that. But if America was a big player in the end times, we're, we're not mentioned. Russia is mentioned and China is mentioned. Okay? Both of the people that have hacked our websites the last couple of months... One was Russian and one was China, so maybe we're a big deal and we just don't know it. I'm like, we live in Cuna, Idaho. Leave us alone, okay? Go attack a big church that can afford somebody to fix this, all right? And we'll get that worked on. Leo is doing a good job with that. But, but I'm like, why are they picking on us? Okay? Maybe we're easy pickings. I don't know. But either way, it'll get fixed. It doesn't really matter that much. But America has a shelf life, an expiration date. But here's what I know. There's a purpose in the plan. So either the rapture happens and we're gone and America is so weakened because the Christians are gone that we just become a kind of a neutral nation. I don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't know what takes place. I don't know if I want God to tell me. I, I ask, I give me insight. And I'm like, I'm not sure I want insight because I might not sleep good at night, right? Sometimes obliviousness is better. You just don't know, okay? So what we want to do is we want the marathon to be a sprint. We are so impatient and God says, 70 years, got 70 years in Babylon, and then I'm going to bring you home. Done deal, right? So quit whining, get to work, do productive, have fun. And guys, I'm going to tell you, have some fun. Enjoy life. Go do something you enjoy doing. 
Don't just be so uptight. There's so many people uptight about stuff. It's just enjoy fun. If you, if you like fires, go light a fire in the right place, okay? Just go out and look it up at the smoke. I, whatever you do, enjoy life. But I'm gonna, I don't want fear to, to rule you. But oftentimes, God plans for our lives can only happen through our Babylon experiences. And what we're facing in our world right now isn't fun or comfortable, but it could just be a Babylon experience to get us to our destination as a Christian. You don't have to be afraid. So where you are right now may not be something you would choose, but it very well could be God's plan. And some of you need to pull out your cell phone and take a picture of that. Because you need to be reminded that what I'm facing may not be fun. It's not something I would choose. But it could very well be a part of God's plan as it was for the people of God. As it was for those who were in captivity in Babylon. They had to go through Babylon to get back to Jerusalem. So the challenge is to be productive every day. To do something with your life that truly matters. To seek to glorify God in all you do. To be a blessing to others. To not hide in a hole. Until Jesus comes back, but actually quite the opposite. Jesus said, you are to be a city on a hill. You are to be a light in the darkness. That is what God has called you to do. Start every day off knowing that God has a plan for the day. And you will worry less. And then we get to the verse we started with. Seven years are completed for Babylon. I will come to you and be... and, and fulfill my gracious promise to you, bring you back to this place. And then it goes, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. 70 years later, they were able to go back to Jerusalem. We know in 1948, God gathered the nation of Israel that was scattered to do something that has never happened in history. And that's that a nation was wiped out, actually became a nation again. Prophecy has come to pass. There's nothing left stopping Jesus from coming back. See, the problem had a purpose. And placement is God's plan. Placement is God's plan. You may not like where you're at right now, but let me tell you something. Just say, God, will you use this? Because I don't get it. Most God's answers? Absolutely. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I want the best for you. Now, there's some things. If there's some sin in our life, guys, we need to deal with that. We need to repent. Okay? If there's sin in our hearts and things that we're doing, we just need to say, God, please forgive me. Give me strength over this. Help me get through these things. God is not soft on sin. He, he forgives it, but he wants us to do the best we can. But here's what I know. Scott and I, we've had these conversations. There's some things, guys, that you will fight to the day you die. There's, there's addictions, there's things that you have tendencies, you'll just fight them to the day you die, and you just keep fighting. That's what God wants is you just keep fighting. Just keep, you get up to fight another day. Some, some of you battle some things that I know nothing about, but you just keep fighting. See, God is more proud of you for fighting that thing than just saying, you know what, I'm not going to serve you, God, because I can't. No, you get up every day and say, God, this is hard, but I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to give it to you every morning. And God says, that's my boy. That's my girl. You just keep going. Just keep fighting. The problem had a purpose. Amen. Did you learn something? Man, this, is, this, this was so rich for me this week. I, I, I love it when I can study God's word my, every day of my whole life and I see something brand new. I'm like, I never saw that before. This is cool. It's cool. My problem has a purpose. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. And I pray for those today, Father, who... They're facing something that just, man, they would rather not be facing it. They're in a place that they would rather not be in, maybe even a place that they didn't choose. 
but when we look at your word of God, we look at it through a big picture. You had those Hebrews right where you needed them to be, that they needed to go through Babylon to get to Jerusalem once again. And Father, we thank you, and I hate to pray it, but I thank you for the Babylons. I thank you for the problems that we face because it's the, it's the tough thing, stuff that, that makes us tougher makes us lean on you more. And I pray for those who are just struggling right now that you give them peace. I pray for those who are struggling with addictions, things that Father, they know they shouldn't be doing, but God, just give them the strength to make it through those things. And when they fall, they would repent and know that you're graceful. And we just give you thanks and praise for that. And, and family, if you're here today, everybody just keep your head bowed for a moment. This, this is a God moment, maybe for some of you. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him to forgive you, never asked him to come into your life, I will tell you, if you've died in that state, the Bible says that you would spend eternity in hell. I take that very serious. But God made a way. And he offered his son to you. Have you accepted him? And if you have not, and you would like to, I'm going to ask you, either here or online, if that's you, we just lift your hand up and say, Stan, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to make sure that my life is right. Is there anybody? I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to take a lot of time, but if you need to give your life to Christ. Okay, all right. I don't see any hands. I hope that means everybody's saved. If you're online, it's a simple prayer. It's just, Jesus, I recognize that you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. That's how easy it is to become a Christian. Instant. Boom. God forgive you. And you're a new person. Amen. You'll still have stuff to deal with, but at least you got eternity dealt with. Amen? All right. Well, you can look up at me. Do we need to go anymore? Did you learn enough? Information overload? Amen? Also, if, um, if, if ever you want um, a copy of the notes, of my notes, just email Melissa at, at the church. Um, she'd be happy to send them to you. Um, if you just Because sometimes we forget some things. But if you just, just say, hey, I'd like the notes from this Sunday, we'll do the best we can to give you the edited version. Because I write stuff down that I don't always preach. No, I give you everything. Amen. Um, you kind of know me. I'm kind of an open book. Um, amen. You want to close us in a verse?